Hello, everyone. This is Xander Broffel with the Revenue Growth Architects podcast, presented by CS2. Today, we are joined by Grant Booth, and we are going to be talking about a very, very important process, and that is called data normalization. But stay tuned with us because we have some really cool ways to go about supercharging any data normalization programs that you have in place today. Grant, how are you doing? Thanks for joining. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that the last podcast that we did together, the debt remediation kind of two-part series was well-received. Having your expertise and technical nature on the show is definitely uh, a boost for the podcast. So thanks so much for giving us some time today. Thanks. Anytime. Uh, are you working on anything good right now? Yeah, actually. Um I mean, related to this topic, I've been working on a unmanaged package that we can deploy for our clients that's specifically for normalizing, and we'll get into what that actually means in a minute, <laughs> but normalizing the state and country values for leads, contacts, accounts, whatever you have running in Salesforce uh, to standardize all of that data and, and make it easy to roll out. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, it's such a pain when you get stuck in, you know, sync errors because something's off. It's not, you know, working between all of your systems that are integrated. So it's going to be a good topic today. Good. All right. Well, let's jump in. Um, the topic is data normalization. And I always like to start simple and then move into the more complex. So let's start with it. What is data normalization? So... Uh... For our audience, probably the, the better way to describe it is as data cleaning. Um, data normalization in the context of databases in general can really incorporate a lot of things. I think from our perspective, more on the marketing ops or revenue ops side is data cleaning and making sure that we're simplifying complex data, eliminating redundancy, uh, leveraging relationships where we can between objects so that we're simplifying and, and cleaning up how data is stored. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you have the adage of garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> um, and, and that's totally true. If you can fix it at the source, that's the way to go about doing it. But we know that that's not always the case. And so yeah. these, these programs are garbage in, clean it up, good data out. Um, and there's a lot of work that we can do on the back end to try and make that easier and better for the team for reporting and for operations. Absolutely. So I always want to start with like, what's the business case, right? Because you, you hear data normalization. If you go to your CMO or your CRO and you say, hey, I want, to, I want to run a data normalization project, that might not be enough to get it approved uh, to be prioritized. So why, why would a, what problems are a, is a business trying to solve through data normalization that might make for a stronger uh, business case? So the main business case is to be able to retrieve and categorize data in the simplest and most straightforward way possible. Uh, if you're, say, running a report and you want to see all of your leads in the United States, for example, you don't want to have to enter all the different ways of saying United States. You <laughs> want to be able to just say United States or even pick, choose it from a pick list or, or something along those lines. Like you want a very clearly defined... How do you retrieve people who are in the United States and not be entering multiple values that really mean the same thing? Yeah. Uh, 
and that'll also apply to automation, right? If you want to set up automation that impacts records in the United States, for example, you don't want to have to enter every single, like, you know, 10 different values that all mean United States in your automation. You just want one. One. Absolutely. Unless, of course, your automation is to fix the data, which case it's a little more complicated. <laughs> That's the one time that we're okay having yeah. all of these exceptions <laughs> is to ultimately get it into a single pick list value. But when you think about that, right, like reporting, the automation, how many times every single salesperson has to create a list view. And if they want to create something that's in their territory and they have to have five different variations of every state that they support, what a pain in the butt. They yeah. risk missing business. They they miss all kinds of opportunities that are in front of them un, unless if they had a clean database that they can really operate out of. Right. And so you miss one value and then suddenly one person is working with a different data set than another person and things aren't lining up. And then there's a whole discussion about like, why aren't things lining up? And yes. um, it's really just best to, to fix it at the source and get everybody working with the same set of values and have it be intuitive as well. Absolutely. And I think that the like inherent uh, viewpoint of a database is that it is structured data, right? If you're talking to a CRO, for example, they're like, well, it should just be easy. Why can't I just pull out United States? So it's our job to make it easy so that we can just do that. Yeah. Or the, the first question might be, why isn't it already just like this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we haven't prioritized. So I had a good answer. Yet, so here we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's always a matter of timing and priorities. Um, but if you can do the work in building that business case, identifying the pain points that your teams are feeling, um, it can go a really long way. Uh, as I had mentioned before, integration issues, like I, we see this all the time with Marketo and Salesforce or HubSpot and Salesforce or, or any sort of marketing automation platform where Salesforce has enforced data values, the Marketo side misses those enforced data values. And then as a result, that record doesn't even sync over. So now we're really talking issues, right? This is a potential MQL. It's a potential opportunity that could be delivered to your SDR team. And it's not making money down the drain. Yes. Yes, exactly. So take the time to identify what those pain points are. And, you know, it'll be pretty easy to, to get a project like this uh, started. So if I got this project started, what are some ways that, that you have been helping clients set this up? You know, let we can start from the simple. We can go to the complex. Uh, that's definitely where we want to spend the majority of our time today discussing well the first thing any any client has to do is to identify what their their normalization needs are uh what are the fields on which objects that you actually use on a regular basis where you might have this problem different values meaning the same thing and what's i mean really there's a whole question of database structure too what's the most efficient way of gathering and storing this data to where you can minimize the amount of normalization you're having to do. I think a good example would be like doing account matching, right? Uh, you don't want to have the company name for a thousand people who are all at the same company stored separately on a thousand different contacts. You just want it to be the name of an account, right? And so being able to leverage that lead to account matching functionality simplifies your data and inherently keeps your database cleaner 
assuming you do the account matching right. Uh, so, so that's just an example. Uh, but really, gathering those requirements, right? First step of any project: gather your requirements. Uh, clarify what is it that you need to simplify. What are the reporting pain points people are already running into, right? Um, and this could mean reaching out to your users, reaching out to uh, to your leadership, uh, taking a look at the reports that they're already using and looking for opportunities to simplify that. Uh, that is is always the starting point. And then put your project plan together. Are there any like common fields that would be a good place to start with if I've never like tackled this type of project before? And maybe going to the team saying, what data issues are you running into is maybe a little more intimidating than you want to get the answer for. Yeah, no, you definitely, it's the question you want to ask more is what reports are you most reliant on right now for making business decisions? Or what reports do you wish were available to help you make business decisions that aren't there uh, or that you're not sure how to build? Um, which like you said, you have to be a little careful when you're going fishing for those answers, right? <laughs> but uh, I think looking at what people are already using is really the place to start. Uh, some common examples, location data. Uh, this is is always a, a headache for marketers. And it's not just the traditional, say, state and country of a lead in, say, Marketo. Uh, there's also whatever you're gathering from your enrichment data, say your Zoom info or your Clearbit, et cetera, where uh, the format that it is sending in location information, say state codes versus state names and so on, might be different than what another system is sending information into Salesforce with. Uh, so really, there's that tech stack analysis that goes with it as well, understanding all the different sources the data is coming from and how the values that they're sending basically the same data in might vary. Yeah. And so you may have to run a variety of reports to actually figure that out and get them to line up. Um, when it comes to location too, something that I think is often overlooked is like, we anticipate taking like a full name of a state and bringing it down to a two digit abbreviation. Right. But there's also situations where there's countries that don't have states or there's countries that have providences or there's countries that don't have postal codes in your system. So really like identifying all of those edge cases as well and just downloading that database and figuring out like, what are all of the values that are existing today? That's where we tend to start when we're working with a new client is, you know, go out, grab a, a, a summary report and see like, what are the data values and the different variations and all of the issues that could arise. And that can help you kind of formulate that strategy. Right. And don't get too overwhelmed by the amount of data uh, and try and stay focused. For example, if you're worried about location data, Try to only worry about the places that you're actually selling into, at least at first. Ideally, you can get it all cleaned up um, in a perfect world, right? Yeah. But if you're, say, mostly selling into the United States and Canada, start by just worrying about the United States and Canada when it comes to your location data. However, 
you have to think about your data model and whether or not, for example, uh, if you whatever system you're using to normalize data doesn't allow you to set a state, if you haven't like declared a state list for a given country, then that could be a serious problem for you. For sure. So things to consider there. That's something that you can run into with uh, with Salesforce state and country pick lists, for example. Cool. That's a good example. Anything that's not like location-based that you can think of to recommend? Job title, industry are the first ones that come to mind. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to go about doing that. Um, you know, a strategy that I like to take with a lot of clients is, is breaking down an unstructured job title field into like a job level and a job function field. So that way you can leverage that for scoring models, for example, with demographic scoring, um, or with segmentation for your marketing efforts. And now you're not having to do a bunch of smart lists in the world saying contains 300 values. And instead you have a single data value that you could populate based upon that um, can be very, very handy. And we're going to go through some details uh, around that. I know. Um, and then industry, like how, how have you seen people uh, normalize industry values? Mostly I've seen that done on the Salesforce end. Uh, for, for example, using Zoom Info data or, or Clearbit data. Uh, typically, I, I haven't seen people put industry on their form, like their, their website forms. And there's always a, a trade-off when you add fields to a form, right? Best practice, yeah. minimize the number of fields on your form as much as you can because people don't want to fill them all out if they don't have to. Um, I prefer to, in any situation, and this is really a key point for data normalization in general, in my opinion, I prefer to let bad data in, like don't block it, and then try to fix it once it's in. Uh, sometimes you'll see efforts of normalization happen where part of the, the technical impact is that it's actually blocking bad data from entering the system. And then you have data loss, uh, and that's a serious problem. Better to just let the garbage in, as we said earlier, and then and then try to fix it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think a common uh, situation is that I've seen is like enforced pick list values on the right. Salesforce side. Yeah, and it's a great idea until you realize that all of your integrations start to break. And I've had these conversations with, you know, Salesforce teams or more mm -hmm. sales ops teams or whatever, where it's like, what's worse data, something that didn't get there to begin with or a typo, you know, a typo can be fixed. Lost data can't be refound. Uh, or it, 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 in most situations, it's at least very, very difficult to get that kind of reconnected. So. Exactly. Uh, and that's something that's inherent in the state and country pick list feature in Salesforce. Basically, it's a it's a feature you can turn on where it changes your state and country values on various address fields to use a pick list instead, uh, and you can declare like lists of states to go with certain countries. Uh, and it, from the perspective of a Salesforce user in Salesforce, it's very clean. You look at an address field that only lets you choose values from a pick list. The state values available to you change based on what country you chose, but it will actually block data coming into the system that's incompatible. 
Uh, so if somebody comes in with United States of America instead of United States from, say, your marketing automation platform or a data enrichment tool, it actually will block that and they just won't make it into the system. It hits an error. I have tried all sorts of ways to try to modify it on its way in, but the way the feature works, it just doesn't allow you to modify the data on its way in from an integration. Uh, you, The only option is to fix it all at the source. So fix it within your marketing automation platform before it comes into Salesforce. And that is, in my opinion, not uh, not realistic yeah. to manage for all the different things you would have integrating with Salesforce. So I always tell their clients not to turn that feature on. I know sales teams will get excited about it. It looks really nice if you're actually a Salesforce user logged into Salesforce, changing data there. But it's just a disaster for integrations. <laughs> it, if they could let you associate multiple values to a given like standard one, right? Um, then I think that could be powerful, but it doesn't. <laughs> it basically puts in a restricted yeah. pick list yeah, as yeah. it stands. I hope they fix it someday. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath, you know, but it just, it looks so nice. It is so tempting to turn on, but please no one do it. And if it's already turned on, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I know that you've worked with some people who have had these things turned on um, mm -hmm. and you've offered out some, some alternatives. So, so let's go into maybe a little bit more sure. of the, of the technical side. Like, how do you recommend people get started on this? So the first question that I think a team is going to have to ask is, what is the best system to handle this in? And that's going to kind of depend on the resources available to you. Say, do you have a qualified Salesforce admin who has time to cooperate with you on the project? is always like the first question that, that any marketing ops person should ask, right? Yeah. Um, because sometimes uh, you don't. You, they could have had turnover. They could just be extremely busy with other projects. Might not really be an option. In which case, uh, rather than handling this in Salesforce, you might want to handle it on the Marketo side instead. Another thing to consider is your existing order of operations. Hopefully you have a master order of ops program set up in Marketo if you're using Marketo uh, or whatever marketing automation platform you may be relying on. But hopefully you've already got it set up so that you have a level of control over what data changes happen when. Uh, and part of that could include data normalization, uh, especially if you're relying on that data for scoring. Yeah. And so that's that's the first question to ask is, which system am I doing this in? And that's going to depend on who can help you, basically, and the order of ops. Uh, from there, I mean, I'm a Salesforce guy, right? I like doing things in Salesforce. Uh, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and so Salesforce via Flows offers powerful ways of doing this now to weren't so easy just a few years ago. Okay. Um, I prefer to use before save flows with a custom metadata type or a few of them in Salesforce that allow me to modify data coming into Salesforce based on tables before it even gets saved to the database. So as far as like your record history is concerned, 
the data was never anything besides the correct value uh, because I've already changed it on its way in. And it used to be that you had to, to use Apex code to do this. Uh, and I'll run into customers where there's still old Apex code handling this. Trouble there is that you need somebody who understands Apex code to make any changes to it. Yes. Which is a whole, uh, a whole topic. <laughs> a whole career, actually. It's getting, it's getting harder and harder to find, and the people that are doing it are uh, not the cheapest people to have on your team. So I think that a lot of teams have more admins than they necessarily have developers, which makes perfect sense. And the nice thing uh, about doing it in Salesforce, and there's a recent feature that in Marketo that allows you to do this in Marketo if you have the right combination of, of tools. Um, but I'm going to start with the Salesforce side uh, and go ahead and share my screen here. And for our audio listeners, this might be an opportunity to check us out on YouTube if you have not done so. Uh, Grant is going to be sharing his screen as he kind of walks through some of this and we'll try to be as descriptive as possible. Absolutely. And so I mentioned my preference is a custom metadata type. It's basically just an object, uh, like any Salesforce custom object, but it persists into sandbox copies. Uh, whereas normally if you do, say, a developer sandbox off of your Salesforce org, uh, it won't have any actual data in it. Uh, this is it's sort of like marking data that you want to persist into a sandbox copy which means that when you're testing things in the sandbox, all of it will actually work without having to do a bunch of data imports to bring the same data into your sandbox and just adding even more steps into a sandbox refresh process, which is already complicated enough for your Salesforce admins. For sure. But so... And if normalize, you're not having the hard code every single combination into like a flow or an automation, you have a table exactly. that you can reference, right? Exactly. Uh, the first thing, actually backing up a little bit, when you're talking about normalization, if you're wanting to do more than like 10 values, see if there's a way that you can set what those matches are, like the value you're trying to change compared to the value you want to convert it to. See if there's a way you can set that via like a CSV file, a list import. Um, because getting in and making changes to automation for dozens, hundreds of values is extremely tedious. Um, and if you've ever, if you've already tried a project like this, say on the Marketo side, where uh, you're in there adding choice after choice after choice to a smart campaign's flow to, to say what values should change to what, and you were sitting there thinking, I really hate this. I wish that I wasn't doing this right now. <laughs> Well, you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> there are better alternatives. <laughs> there, uh, we've all done that before, and these alternatives haven't always been there. <laughs> Heck, um, I'm still doing it, Grant, so you're going to oh, teach yeah. me something that helps me save a lot of time, so I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, here on my screen, I'm showing the country normalizer custom metadata type that I created. Again, this is just like a custom object. And I added fields to it, uh, the original country value, which is what I'm trying to change, the corrected country value, which is what I'm trying to change a value to, and a converted state province value. That's 
I won't get into that too much because that's me doing some extra fancy things with this. <laughs> but if I hit manage here, I can see a list of all of these custom metadata records. It's basically just a table. So in one column, I have the value I'm trying to change. And in another column, I have the value I'm trying to change it to. So for example, uh, let me scroll down a little bit. I don't really need Antarctica in here. <laughs> You're very thorough. Yeah, very thorough. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What's a good example? Uh, Chile. Sure. Perfect. So if somebody comes in with the Republic of Chile for uh, their country, I'm going to change that to Chile. Right? Great. And the great thing here is that I can declare all these values in a list import. I just set it all up in a CSV. I import it into Salesforce. And then I'm able to reference this table in my automation. So rather than declaring value by value in my automation, like having, you know, a decision in a Salesforce flow saying, if the country is the Republic of Chile, change it to Chile. If the country is CO, change it to Chile, etc. For hundreds of them, I can just declare it in this list. The automation says, okay, take their country, find a record in this table that matches uh, for this particular column, for their original country value. Get the value back in the same row in this other column and then change, say, the leads country to that corrected value. It's right. it's just a VLOOKUP, essentially. It's, it's like doing a VLOOKUP in Excel. But the important thing here is that it keeps my automation really simple and I can change what these definitions are. I can add more values if I realized I forgot one. I can correct a value if I realize something's wrong with it. And I don't actually have to change the automation. That's nice. And it's something that is very scalable. Um, as I, you know, I'm, we're an agency. You're doing this for multiple clients. You have probably a single spreadsheet that you've been able to add to that you can just be able to basically reuse as you continue to develop this out. And there's there's always going to be a process there. I mean, some clients want state codes, others want state names. Um, for particular countries, they might want to use, say, a three-letter code for states instead of a two-letter code. Sure. It's all going to vary by client, so there's always a good amount of customization to do. But the great thing is I can set up my CSV files, run it by the client, they make changes or confirm. And then I'm just importing a list into the same structure, which I can deploy via an unmanaged package. Love that. That's great. And so I really love the scalability of this. Uh, scalability is the number one question to ask. Am I ever going to need to manage more than 10 to 20 values? If so, see if you can do it with the list import. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if we have the custom metadata type, were you planning on showing us like how you how you can actually utilize that data? Absolutely. Or the yeah, metadata? Demo flow real quick. <laughs> So Grant right now is logging into uh, into a Salesforce flow for us where he'll kind of demo what this looks like. And this is in my developer org. Yeah, so this is a Salesforce flow. Um, 
it probably does look fairly complicated to someone who's never seen a flow before. But if you're a Salesforce admin and you've worked with uh, with flows a decent amount at this point, you'll you'll look at this and think, oh, okay, well that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's very visual, so it's always a little more overwhelming than it actually is when you start to break it down piece by piece. Yeah, right. And it's, I love it because it's like it builds a flow chart for you, that yeah. kind of demonstrates the process as you're actually building the automation. So, I'm I'm a very visual learner. I like very visual interfaces. I, I don't like having to declare things with like a command line or something. I guess that was before my time. No offense to anyone. <laughs> but I, I really like these interfaces. So here in this particular step, it's a get record step. I am querying, and this is firing off of a lead, by the way. So when a lead is created and it has a value for country or if it's country value changes or if it's state value changes, then this automation fires. And it's saying, get me the row of the table I was showing you earlier, my country normalizer metadata type. It's just a table. It's saying, get me the row where the original country value column is equal to this lead's country. And then if it finds one, it's going to, uh, well, first it checks if the value that it sent is already the correct value in the other column of that table. So you actually have in that like second column, if it, if you were going to a, a two digit MN for Minnesota would just say already correct. Exactly. Okay, great. And so it's doing that by just comparing the value that it sent to uh, the value in the corrected value column of the row that was returned. I'm trying to put this in more of like Excel terms as best as I can here. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, so in that, if that's the case, it knows it's already a correct value. I'm trying to kind of skip some steps here because I don't want to walk through the whole flow piece by piece. But uh, otherwise, if it finds one and it's not already the correct value, then it changes the lead's country to be the value it got in the corrected country value column of the row that was returned. Cool. It's just doing a VLOOKUP. Nice. Essentially. And so the automation here, very simple compared to adding choice by choice for each each value or set of values you're concerned about. For sure. And this makes it very scalable. Because like you say, if you add a new value, you don't have to make any changes to the flow. The flow is just dynamically looking at that table that you've already created. Exactly. Very nice. So like and then... if I if I had a Salesforce admin, like on a scale of one to 10, how difficult do you think something like this is? Uh, if you're going to use custom metadata types, they might be unfamiliar with that. Um, and there are pros and cons there. Uh, so there could be a little bit of a learning curve there because for importing a list of the custom metadata types, you actually need to use the Salesforce command line integration. Okay. Uh, which I do using Visual Studio Code. So that whole sentence probably sounded overwhelming. There's a little bit of a barrier uh, at the tree head. <laughs> 
uh, an easier way of doing this for someone who's who's not familiar with with custom metadata types and all of that is to just create a custom object like rather than a metadata type just a custom object that has the same values on it so an original country value a converted country value got it and then the nice thing there is that they could even give a marketer who's not an admin uh, edit rights to records on that object so that a marketer can go in and say oh, i'm going to add us converting to united states or i'm going to add oregon converting to or awesome uh, and they can just do it themselves and don't even need to involve an admin in those changes. The downside, of course, is that it won't copy into sandboxes. And so then you have to do like a separate import in your sandbox if you want it to work there. Okay. So it's cool that we have two different options varying, you know, upon uh, the the experience level of your teams. Right, exactly. And the way that this looks... Didn't mean to do that. So if I click in to edit the address on a lead here in Salesforce where I have this working and say, I enter values that are not correct values according to the list that we've declared, according to the, the metadata type rows that I set up. Say, uh, so I set it up so that Washington, the state, is a correct value and United States for a country is a correct value. So if I enter WA for my state and US for the country, it should convert them. I cross my fingers because it's a live demo. But there you can see the moment it's saved, it's already changed it to Washington and United States. So Grant, because this is a before save flow, in our previous example, let's say that we live in a world where the Salesforce team says, no, we're gonna do the state and country pick list values. It's in place. We're not going to change it because it's before save. If you have this built out, could you potentially limit that risk because it's getting fixed before the record ever gets inserted? Unfortunately, no. No. Um, from the test that I ran, and this is what really frustrated me about the product or about the feature, I should say, um, the it will it doesn't seem to acknowledge changes you make in a before save flow. It's like it runs that validation uh, to see if the value that's being entered is part of those official pick lists in the Salesforce state and country pick list feature. It, it's like it validates that before it does any before save automation. Got it. Which shocked me when I ran the test as I was trying to troubleshoot this for a client um, and really frustrated me. Because you would assume that, like, this is how you could kind of marry those two protections together. Um, but wow, right. that that that's a bummer. So that really reinforces yeah. your recommendation of, like, don't turn that on. Instead, enforce it by, you know, having this type of capability as an alternative. Exactly. Very nice. Exactly. And so this just... I mean, you declare as many values as you can think of, and then this just converts them to the correct ones. Let's users enter undesired values, but then changes them to the desired ones. Grant, this is really great. What would you recommend for clients that are not using the enforced pick list then? Because I know that that is helpful because, you know, from a user perspective, I know exactly what I can and cannot select. Um, but if I don't have that feature, have you worked around that in any, in any way? Yeah. So part of what I've been baking into the unmanaged package that I mentioned is uh, the ability to enforce those 
like corrected values or the values that are set as being correct uh, on like a profile by profile basis using validation rules. So for example, right now here on this lead, I'm logged in as a system admin. And if I try to change their state or country to something incorrect, like uh, let's say Alberta, United States, it lets me do that because I'm logged in as a system admin and the validation rules that are part of this package have exceptions for that. So it let me, it let me set that. Um, it notes that the state did not match over here. Uh, just noting that the normalization didn't match the state. However, if I log in as a test user, just refreshing my screen real quick here. This is a, a standard user. They're not an admin. If I try to do something similar, let's say change it to uh, BC, United States, like British Columbia, not a valid state, it throws an error and says, this state province is not valid for this country. Please copy from the list of approved states. And then down here, um, I converted this uh, lightning record page in Salesforce to use dynamic forms, which lets me do some kind of fancier customization. And uh, here there's a section, it's just rich text where I've linked out to a list of approved countries and approved states. So if a user is working in Salesforce and gets this error, they can just click the list. And uh, then there's even buttons to copy the exact value organized by which country the state is for in this, in this Got it. So it's just like a plain text field with all of the states with a copy button right next to it. Really easy for a salesperson right. to come in and find the actual value that they're supposed to use. Right. So now if I just copy from that list, paste it in and hit save, it'll ask me to save. Very nice. And notes that the state was already correct after I say it. I like that function that you have there. I don't know if we talked too much about that while you were looking at the flow, but it it's really nice. There's a couple of custom fields that you have that will tell you if it's mm -hmm. incorrect value, if there's no match, or if it's inaccurate. Right. Very nice. And allows for some things that the Salesforce state and country pick list uh, does not. For example, if I choose a, a country like Germany, which uh, I believe in my developer org, I didn't declare a state list for. It will allow me to input whatever I want. So I'm going to put a nonsense value in for the state, but set the country as Germany. And it notes that the state uh, is not needed in this case because there's not a state list declared. Very cool. Um, and then you were saying that this is built in a way where the validation rule is only going to run for certain profiles. So as we were talking about earlier with like integrations, if you have a profile for your integrations, exactly. you can exclude that and then you're not breaking those connections. Exactly. By default, this is going to exclude the system admin profile, but we can always add more profiles to that when we're doing an implementation for someone. Very cool. Grant, this is very, very cool stuff being built on the Salesforce side. As you mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes we may not have access to a Salesforce admin. Uh, maybe there's, you know, not capacity on that side of the house. Um, and so maybe you want to build some of this normalization in something like Marketo. Uh, do you have anything that you can share with the teams today on how to go about solving this out of a marketing automation platform? Yes, and uh, there's actually a fairly new feature in Marketo that I wanted to specifically show and mention. 
uh, called self-service flow steps that make this possible in conjunction with the right tools. Um, another important use case here is that it could be that you need to normalize the data before syncing something over to Salesforce, depending on how things are set up in your Salesforce. If you're, say, wanting to only sync marketing qualified people into Salesforce or something like that, uh, you might need to have all of this running on the Marketo end and not rely on something running in Salesforce necessarily. So this self-service flow step feature in Marketo uh, essentially functions like a webhook and does a call out to an external service. Uh, the key difference is that whereas a webhook is going to run asynchronously or in parallel, meaning that when Marketo requests that webhook, it just lets it run and, and continues with whatever like whatever the next step is in a smart campaign, it's not going to wait for that webhook to finish and retrieve information and write it back into the Marketo database uh, before it moves on with whatever else the smart campaign was doing. Uh, so that's the case with webhooks. With these new self-service flow steps, it actually runs synchronously or in series. And so it's going to wait for that callout to finish and write data back into the Marketo database before it moves on to the next flow step uh, in a smart campaign. And getting it set up is, is sort of the tricky part. Uh, <laughs> it could be, in many instances, the kind of thing that you need access to a developer for. However, if you uh, have access to Workato, which is perhaps my favorite ETL tool, uh, that's extract, transform, load, it's just a general tool that's used for doing data manipulation and sending data back and forth between different systems. Workato is the name of it. It gives me some handy tools for this. Uh, the first one is called Lookup Tables. It's basically just creating a standalone table. So here I'm sharing my screen. I built one called Country Normalization. Where on the left, it has a country input value with examples being things like US, United States of America, USA. And on the right, it has a country output, which is just United States for all of those. And then I also have ones for job title and state. And the great thing about these is that it gives you the option to import a CSV. So you could potentially add, I don't remember what the limit is, but hundreds or thousands of rows to uh, this table and get pretty fancy as a result without having to like add or edit entries once they want. Similar concept to that custom metadata table that you had created on the Salesforce side, this you are creating on the Workato side. Exactly. Key rule, if you can do it with a CSV import, <laughs> do it that way. Always be looking for that option. I like <laughs> ABCs, always be CSVing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, let's see. So if I go back to my recipe here, Mercado made available uh, a trigger that lets you uh, connect to Marketo and create a self-service flow step. Um, there is a little bit of a, a setup process, but there's no code involved. And you just you will need to spend a little bit of time digging through documentation and making sure you understand it well. But if you've set up, say, you know, like REST, REST API launch point services in Marketo, 
or something like that before, then I don't think this will be too scary. Uh, it's not uh, a big step up is what I'm saying. Got it. So there's like, there's documentation. This, this makes it through this process. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So if you search in Marketo's docs for a uh, flow step service, that's where you'll find the relevant information there. Uh, in Workato, you're looking for the same thing, basically. If you just search for self-service flow steps, Marketo, something like that, uh, you should be able to find the relevant documentation. So then back here, in, it's called a recipe in Workato that sets up that trigger to listen for the flow action happening in Marketo and then do things with it and send information back. So it is listing for a country, state, and job title coming over from Marketo via uh, a flow step in a smart campaign. And then it is using those tables I mentioned earlier to translate those values and send the changed values back. I'm not going to dive into everything going on in Shure and Workato uh, because it's kind of a, a whole other can of worms, but again, no code. You might have to do a little bit of, of you know, checking their docs to make sure you understand how to do something. But it is a code-free solution. That's great. Um, so this this is maybe a little bit more advanced than some people may be used to using on the, on the Marketo side, right? And maybe we should just mention what that simple side is uh, before we disconnect. Don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to make sure, like, if I don't have access to this advanced solution like Mercado, um, you know, I there are options that we can fulfill just out, just inside of the Marketo side, even though maybe it's not as efficient um, as what you have just shared. Right. The uh, main other option, like without using something like Mercado, uh, and there are alternatives out there, your company might even already have one and you just don't know and need to maybe ask your data ops team uh, if you have one of those <laughs> and maybe they can help you out. But the alternative for that on the Marketo side is to add choices in a flow step and set up smart lists, declare, for example, here's the country values that I'm looking for, uh, and then here's the country value I want to change to in that situation and just add those choice by choice. It ends up being a lot of setup if you've got more than 20 values or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, do you have any, any ideas of like other vendors that, as you mentioned, maybe, maybe a, a person already has access to the tools, but they may not know like what to ask for, um, any other options that, that mm -hmm. we may be considering? Yeah. Anything that can host an, an, an API endpoint really, uh, where you can configure, like here's a URL that a service is calling to. It's going to post this JSON object and it's expecting to receive this back. So it, it needs to declare, it's called a swagger file. It's like a definition of an API endpoint that, that tells you what it's expecting to receive and what it is planning to send back uh, that you would need to set up something like this. And it definitely will require developer work if you don't have something like Workato to kind of take that piece off of your uh, off of your plate and do something more declarative. 
Got it. So there's probably some options partnering with IT, partnering with biz apps, um, other other teams that may have those resources is an option if we don't have something that's a little more self-service. Um, and then, like you say, we can always go in with Marketo workflows, smart lists, and, and build it out that way. Exactly. Very, very cool. Grant, thank you for walking through that. Um, we have we have gone from strategy. Why would we do data normalization? You know, how can we build the business case? What are the problems that we're ultimately trying to solve? And you've shared two really good methodologies. One inside of the Salesforce kind of built-in solutions utilizing flow and uh, custom metadata, and then another side utilizing some new tools that Marketo is giving us access to. Uh, in the self-service flow. Grant, if there was like one key takeaway that you would want our audience to 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 remember after this podcast, what would it be? Keep the automation as simple as you can. Uh, look for a way to use a CSV, right? Sorry, you said always, always CSV. using a CSV. <laughs> Always be a CSV in, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it sticks. Exactly. Yeah, always always see if you can just set up that list and share that list with your coworkers so you can gather those business requirements clearly, confirm what all those values are supposed to be, and then just import that. Keep your automation simple. Set up your automation so that you never have to touch it down the road. That's fantastic. And. Ultimately, what we're trying to get to is more structured data that's easier to report on, easier to automate, and easier to operationalize. So if you can do that, finding the, the best way and the easiest way, um, I think that you're going to have a winning solution for sure. Grant, is there anything else that you want to uh, share before we wrap up today's call? Just thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Always. I look forward to having you on again. Um, I, I love when we get to have these podcasts that get like more technical than we may have in the past. Um, I hope that our audience gets a lot out of it. I know that it's a lot to take in from a from a, a audio perspective. Um, but as we continue <laughs> to work on on bringing these type of resources, we are always having our recorded podcasts available on YouTube screen share galore lots of really great content there so if you are just listening today feel free go back out to the youtube channel look for cs2 um, and we can have this in front of your your computer screen so that you can really dive into the details but grant thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for listening to the revenue growth architects podcast i just want to say thank you very much grant for joining us today and thank you for listening to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast presented by CS2. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you could go out and give us a review. Your feedback helps us improve our podcast week after week after week. Thank you and have a great day.